1: and welcome to Paper Cuts. Um, I'm your host, Louisa Cossa, and I am joined by my venerable co-hosts, <laughs> Karen Das in Waterview,
0: and Jenna Todd in Mount Roskill.
1: Oh yeah, and I'm in Parnell, Sashley Market.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now and people can find out where we live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that a good idea? Oh well, it's too late <laughs> No now. street addresses, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, so this, welcome to our second lockdown edition of paper cuts. It's the, it's the April edition, but we're pretty loose. So it'll come out in May <laughs> and today on paper cuts as all, Oh, first of all, you can always follow us on Twitter and Insta. We're at paper cuts pod across both of those platforms. And you can also email us paper at gmail.com. We love your emails, you know the ones that come through. Not that many.
0: <laughs> How was <is> everyone? <laughs> good. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging in there. Good. Hanging to tough. Hanging tough on level three.
1: Yeah, truly. Um, so today on the Paper Cuts Agenda, we have book news, we have book reviews, We have our not book reviews and we also have our TBR piles. So let's get crackalacking with some book news. Shall I just go ahead, you guys? Just go ahead.
0: I wrote most of
1: this. Um, Hopefully this won't turn into a Louisa monopod. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wouldn't mind. (laughs) (laughs) You guys just sit back and relax. Um, Okay. So the Women's Prize for Fiction shortlist has been announced. It is the prize's 25th year. The shortlist was announced online, of course, via social media channels, and the shortlist is as follows. Um, We've got Dominicana by Angie Cruz, Girl, Woman, Other by Bernardine Evaristo, famously the co-winner of the Man Booker Prize most recently. We've got A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes, The Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantel, of course, Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, and weather by jenny offill now guys how many of these books have you read um i've read about five of them (laughs) what about you jenna uh
0: i've read girl woman other and i think that's it is that all i've read karen i can't remember (laughs) I'm not gonna make you go through the yeah. um I know. Again. <laughs> i'm pretty no. sure it's girl with another i mean no
1: pressure guys because i haven't read fucking any of them so
0: i think i've read just about journals. three or
1: four
0: just read yeah. just read the um the winner lou
1: yeah yeah done done They're doing the
0: job for you hey interesting that the testaments isn't shortlisted eh was it even longlisted
1: Ah, I forgot about oh, that book. Who,
0: remem- <laughs> who remembers long lists? Who remembers anything? <laughs> oh, well, good, good long list, a good short list. Looking forward to the winner. I mean, Probably I'm,
1: k- Yeah, I'm keen to knows. read all of them, but who knows. Whether by Jenny Offal is extraordinary. It'd be because yeah. cool if she won something. That would be fucking awesome. Yeah. All right, moving along. Um... Next item is hashtag bookshops are back. Um, So, yeah, do you guys want to talk about this a little bit? Jenna? Uh,
0: Yeah, well, I guess, uh, so bookstores are selling online now um, and everyone is kind of back to business the best way that they can be. Uh, Yeah, but the orders are just flying in. I know they've been flying in with bookstores around the country and everyone's just trying to get them out the door. The poor couriers are just overloaded. But a lot of your local bookstores will be delivering in their local areas. Um, yeah, so it's it's all on, but virtually. Is it can it's be. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And just um, all the new releases that were due to come out in April should be coming into bookstores next week or the week after. I've heard... I've heard there's half a million parcels at the warehouse and they've never had that many before and they're just trying to sort through them. Wow. (laughs) Go (laughs) the the courier
2: service, man. Yeah,
0: the most that they had last was last Christmas. It was 280,000. So yeah, two days ago they had half a mil. But just be, you know, we've had had a patient wait this whole time and... um, I'm sure you can wait a little bit more. Such cool books coming out too.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can't wait for some fresh
1: fresh new books. It's great. But yeah, yeah,
0: hashtag bookshops are back.
1: Yeah, and um, there's a great list of retailers around the country where you can purchase your books from Newsroom, and we'll pop a link to that in our pod notes. Um, Okay, more book news. Um, I think there's quite a lot because things are gradually starting to happen again after the void that was... That has been April. So um, the Occam's, just a note that um, they will be broadcast on the Occam's YouTube channel. And so anyone can attend. And you can just head over to their YouTube channel and subscribe, and you can also listen to the finalists reading from their work um, over the, you know, leading up to the ceremony on the 12th of May.
0: Yeah, I think this and, yeah. this will be a cool ceremony. Um, it's at, on the 12th of May, and at 6pm, the first book award winners will be announced. And then you have a little break, top up your wine glass, and then at 7pm, the, <laughs> the winners of the category winners will be announced. So I think it's going to be quite cool. I think Twitter, Twitter will be going off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. On the night. And we'll all be wearing our tiaras, of course. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> or at least I speak for myself. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and relatedly, the Auckland Writers Festival—they um, have launched a online winter series of talks, um, which is really cool because obviously they had to can- cancel their um, their their you know normal activities, and you know the last time we saw each other before the um, before the lockdown was. At the program launch, and so yeah. that was a bit of a was a bit of a bummer when that was cancelled. Anyway, and happier news: um, the online program will include you know a lot of people from the original program, and you know including Bernadine Avaristo, Lisa Taddeo, Amy, Amy McDade, Anthony Burt. You know, mix of local and international. And there's such a coup because they've got Robert McFarlane. He can be men. Oh yeah,
2: tell us about that, Karen. Well. It's- Robert McFarlane is an amazing writer, poet of the natural world. I love his books, but apparently he doesn't fly to literary festivals because he's a good, um, a good greenie. And so this is an opportunity for him to just beam in by remote access. So I think that's really cool.
1: It is. It's a real like silver lining to this interesting situation we find ourselves in. Um, So, yeah, three writers, including two from the program. They'll chat with um, Paula Morris, and that's also going to be on the festival's YouTube and Facebook channels live, and then that'll be uploaded to their website, so you can check it out there. And this will all be in our pod notes, so, you know, don't swerve off the side of the road and try to write this down. and then i also wanted to give a quick shout out to an international um literary festival bookbound 2020 it looks really fucking cool it actually started yesterday uh, or the day before and it is a so-called antiviral <laughs> um online literary festival um it's readers and authors from around the world um And it's got, you know, New Zealand authors. It's a UK-based operation, but it's worldwide. It's got New Zealand authors Freya Daly-Sadgrove, Becky Manawatu, Pip Adam, Renee, as well as, you know, international blood-like Max Porter and Emma Glass. So it's going to be really fucking cool. And it's raising money for charities, including um, Changing Minds, which is a New Zealand mental health charity. And that's on the Bookbound YouTube channel. So we're all gonna be really into YouTube over the coming weeks. We're gonna become <laughs> YouTube nerds. And yeah, so that's about it for Book News. Great. Sorry. If it was a bit stuffed, but there's a lot going on, which is really a great thing.
0: Isn't it amazing how these these events and festivals have just turned around? Mm-hmm. Like these didn't exist a month ago or five weeks ago and the turnaround for making everything happen with what we've got is super cool.
2: And they were just announced um, that the... New Zealand International Film Festival is now going online this year as well. Is it? Yeah. So in lieu of a a regional um, film festival, it will all be online, which I guess helps a lot of people who often can't get time off work or can't find babysitters. Um, And I wonder how it will work in the regions where they have a really limited um, program if they will have access to... A wider, a wider range of films. That's so, really cool. Yeah. And so, yeah. would
0: you buy a ticket? Would you buy a ticket, and then um, it would like pop up. I guess
2: so, because I've been using their online streaming service, uh, where you can rent films from their website. So it's just New Zealand films on there at the moment, but um,
0: yeah. Ah, uh, but so back to the Auckland Writers Festival. Do you do you buy a ticket to each thing, or is it all free?
2: Uh, it's a good question <laughs>
1: it's
0: a really good question just
2: nip think, over to the website yeah 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 it's free it's free
0: cool wow that's so cool
2: that's awesome
0: keeping us topped up
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> we have to go to twice as many events next year yeah
1: yeah and um just you know keep an eye out on your favorite kind of local literary festival because i have a feeling there's going to be more of this stuff coming down the pipeline
2: I Sorry. think verb has just announced a whole new suite of things as well, which I haven't actually looked into yet, but we can put a link up to that. Ah, yes. um, some kind of members community and new writing um, that they're putting up. So Damn,
1: I meant to put that in the notes, but yes, we'll, shout out we'll to verb. We'll link know. to that. We <laughs> will indeed. Thanks, Karen. All right, dudes, are we ready for book reviews? Book reviews, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want me to go first? if you yes, want yeah. yeah okay oh shit i might just grab the book yeah <laughs> brb <laughs> <laughs> so professional okay <laughs> i just thought i'd better have it to hand um so i'm reviewing an oldie but a goodie it's torpor by chris kraus and here we go It was one color. of your
0: library books right lou yep. from your tbr pile
1: you know last it. last
0: time um, so,
1: you know, a big fan of Chris Krause and her, um, imprint semiotext and really, but I mean, I, this is this, only the second of her books I've read, to be honest. I've read I Love Dick. Actually, I think, Jenny, you gave that to me for my birthday.
0: Oh, did I? That's yeah. it's
1: I lovely. It's lovely. Isn't it? I nice? love that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and, um, so Torpa, um, I love it even more than I Love Dick. It is Ooh. so... So good. Have you guys read this book? No. Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, I guess I Loved It is also hilarious, but this is a hilarious in a way that really speaks to me because it has, so it has that classic Chris Krause combination of kind of existential dread mixed with, you know, just catty bitchy humor and just poking fun at kind of the, sort of middle-class, middle-aged, literati kind of scene. So this this is kind of a prequel to I Love Dick, I believe. It follows the same couple. I think they have different names, though, so it's a little bit skewed. Um, so, yeah, you've got um, Sylvia Green, who's this kind of, like, spiky New York literary lady who kind of, like, idolizes Kathy Acker and you know, she has essentially kind of her career is just floundering and she kind of lives off her, her husband. Um, what the hell is his name? Jerome. And he is this kind of misanthropic older guy. He has this insane kind of like death wish and he's just a real drag. And Sylvie's desperately desperate for a child And they go on this kind of insane journey throughout Europe to Romania to adopt a Romanian orphan. And it's essentially a road trip novel and they are, they're just idiots. And they have this tiny little like shitty little rat dog mongrel with them that they like smuggle through the airport in this little bag and she is kind of their – this dog is their kind of child substitute. And it's just this really great mixture of, you know, the pathos of Sylvie's yearning for a child and versus the hilarity of them actually kind of trying to get a child um, but also just kind of being dicks and, you know, running around Europe making fools of themselves. So this is – when is it set? I think it's actually – it's 1991. So, the Berlin Wall has come down, but, you know, Eastern Europe is still essentially behind the Iron Curtain. Um, it was quite interesting for me because um, this is one of my favourite stories to bring out at parties. Well, it's not really a story, but my grandma was from Transylvania. And so I remember <laughs> this.
2: I remember this. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, aside from that being, you know, very Love funny it. and like vampiric. Um, you know, it's actually a really um, troubled part of the world and has been for a really long time. And it's kind of been, like, snatched back and forth between Hungary and Romania over the years. And so it was really interesting to read about this this gross couple going through Hungary, which is all quite sort of prosperous and, you know, quite fascist and, you know, with their little window boxes full of flowers and then going into Romania via Transylvania, which is just kind of like pretty fucked and they feel really fucked over by the Hungarians. So it was, you know, my family's Hungarian, so it was really interesting to hear that perspective of, you know, you know them being fucked over by the Hungarians. So, yeah, there's, a, there's just a lot in there. There's fascinating stuff about, you know, post-Cold War Europe. There's just hilarious bitchy banter about kind of art world people, and there's a lot of stuff about kind of how gendered and fucked that se- that that whole kind of like arty writing scene is because Sylvie essentially writes her husband's pieces that he submits to literary magazines for him. You know, it's just all. Oh, it's just it's just so good. I cannot recommend it enough. It's just it's hilarious. It's just a real it's a real trip. Yeah, and a great road trip novel, um, so which is not wait. what I really expected. <laughs>
0: Louisa, I've got two questions. So where do the couple live normally? Do they live in America?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So they have this kind of nomadic existence in America where he, Jerome, teaches at a university in New York, I think, and they have a property in upstate New York and – I think Sylvie mainly lives there and that's where they experience the, um, the torpor of the title. They're kind of like living in this sort of dream world of, you know, extreme privilege, but also there's not a lot going on. And they'll and, you know, I think Sylvie definitely finds her life quite empty there. Um, but I think they have a property somewhere else and they sort of, they have to kind of vacate each property during, you know, during the summer or the winter, so they basically don't have a permanent home. So, yeah, they have just quite a quite an interesting lifestyle that seems, and, yeah, privileged and do but they just shitty.
0: Fl- do they just fly their dog internationally? Yeah, easily?
1: yeah they, they, not, not easily. They have, and, like, a little bag that they, like, chuck her in. And then, I mean, this is the early <laughs> 90s. <laughs> and does
0: the, might be a spoiler, but does the dog survive the book? Yeah.
1: <laughs> We knew it was coming. <laughs> yes, Jenna. But I will say that um, there is a, there was a passage where I was a bit concerned, and I'll just briefly kind of describe it for you, which is they go to this village like somewhere in Eastern Europe, and there's all these dogs everywhere that look exactly like their, like, mutt dog that they love so much. And they're like, oh, well, um Let's try and buy a puppy, you know, because our dog's getting on in years. And so they go, to this, <laughs> they find this yard that's full of puppies that look like their dog. They go up to the guy. They're like, try and mime that they want to buy a puppy. And he's like, ah ha, I see what you want. And so he like grabs their dog, and chucks it into the cage with another dog, so that this dog can get knocked up and have a puppy. <laughs> and they're like, no. Oh. And so the dog's like approaching their dog and they're like, "No, oh, no, this is going to go badly. She's, she hates me. Ma- she hates male dogs. Um, but <laughs> oh I will give God. you a spoiler and say that it, it turns out okay. Um, but it's, it's a very funny scene and just like typical of the like ridiculous shit they get up to there and their, and their inability to communicate and how arrogant they are about how things should just be going their way, you know, in that, in that very American sort of way.
0: it sounds awesome. I really like... I mean, I've only read I Love Dick as well, but I just really like her, Chris Krause's view on the world.
1: Yeah, it's very unique and eccentric and hilarious.
0: And she's one of those writers that, you know, some people could read it and just be like, what the fuck is this? But then if you you like it, it really speaks to you. Like, it speaks to you really loudly, I think.
2: But don't you think one of the most... So interesting how wide the appeal of her books are. I mean, everybody bought I Love Dick.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Everybody
2: was buying it for such a, you know, kind of odd and singular, whatever, kind of writer and book. It had such a wide appeal.
0: Yeah, so great. What a great, I love I Love Dick.
1: I mean, I think partly that was due to the particular branding of that book and its title, which, I mean, everyone just loves to riff on. (laughs) And it had a great distinctive, tu- you know, cover. That really cover. made The most of that title, um, yeah. So I, I think that's about it. I'm sure that I didn't touch on any of the sens- the essentials of that book, but um, there we are. It <laughs> was great. Go next? Thank you.
0: <laughs> great review.
1: Good.
2: Who's next? I think you're you next. You go, it. Okay. So I've got um, this book here, which is. Um, Jeff Dyer. It's a Jeff Dyer book and it's called White Sands Experiences from the Outside World and it's a collection of travel essays and I have this really beautiful Pantheon hardback edition. It was published in 2016 and I just thought in light of lockdown and you know limited restricted travel and movement um, it was quite a joy to read some nice travel Essays, um, so it's a collection of travel-related essays and short pieces with photography and a bit of fiction and non. It's a bit of a hybrid, I guess. And I guess Jeff Dyer is just one of those amazing, rare writers who can write about absolutely anything and i'll get excited about it and he has written about pretty much everything he's written about the war he wrote a book about world war one the battle of the somme um, he's written about photography he's written books about literary criticism jazz he's written novels um, and i will read anything that he writes he's just incredible he comes from a really interesting different angle no matter what he is writing about And he's really passionate about photography and jazz and literature and writers. So he always kind of is free ranging out and constantly referencing stuff, which is the kind of writing that I really love. You know, you can look up a film or you can look up a writer or a photograph or an artwork. Um, So he's just got this really wonderful, wide and deep knowledge of history and culture. And he's really inquisitive. So he goes really, really deep. Um, So with this collection of essays, he asks, why do we travel and where do we come from and where are we going? And with each piece, he'll start with a theme, but he'll kind of wander off and you sort of think, where is he taking us? But he always brings you back. He brings you right back. And it's such a thrill of a ride. Um, So where do we go? We go to Tahiti, Salt Lake City, New Mexico, uh, the Northern Lights. He takes us to the Forbidden City, Beijing. Um, and sometimes the travel experiences that he's having aren't actually interesting or remarkable but that's when he shines the most and I think there was a Guardian review when this book came out that said um, the less promising the subject the more brilliant he is and I think that's such a great way of putting it um he just he writes about the white sands which the where the title comes from, and how the white sand is the kind of vague point, to the blank space on a map, and he links that fact and fiction a kind of the space in between, so I guess a kind of liminal space of potential um I really like that, and uh, he's so dexterous and he's got such a great cultural brain, which I really really love he's really good at deconstructing anything, whether it's text, um, an image, or an idea, and I really love that. Um, In one chapter he goes to Tahiti to trace the steps of Van Gogh and Gauguin, um, who planned to set up the the studio of the tropics in Tahiti, and he goes to the Venus point where Captain Cook landed, and he asks the guide, hey, are we 10 hours behind London or 10 hours ahead? And the guide sort of thinks about it and says, "Well, they're behind, but New Zealand, on the other hand, is only an hour behind, but is also a day ahead." And that just completely spins Jeff Dyer out, and he sort of sets off on another one of his great riffs. Um, this isn't pretentious at all, um, although you know it would be quite a ride if it was. Um, oh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's just. <laughs> Great cultural brain But he's also really crack up as well And he's got this really great Brittle, bone dry British sense of humour um, There's this one point where he talks about How he sees this guy And he says, oh he looks like Jim Morrison And he says, oh no Actually he looks like Val Kilmer Playing Jim Morrison <laughs> In the Doors movie <laughs> He's really funny was such a lovely, lovely book Um, to read experiences from the outside world where, you know, our um, experience of the outside world at the moment has been pretty regional and and limited. And I think he's due, he must be due another book soon because this is a while ago. Um, He's wonderful. So, yeah, that's my review. White Sands.
0: Was he at the Writers' Festival like six he or was. seven years
2: ago? He was, yes. yes. And um, he is one of the very few writers that I actually have like a literary crush on.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember watching him at the um, opening night, the listener yeah. opening night, and buying a ticket to his actual talk straight after hearing him speak because I just thought he was so amazing in those. yeah minutes that he spoke I think he spoke about cricket or something like
2: yeah (laughs) yeah he so he can talk about anything I guess he's kind of the thinking person's Bill Bryson (laughs) no shade on Bill Bryson because I like (laughs) him too I like him as well (laughs) but um yeah so that's my review
1: cool sounds great I've always meant to read Jeff Dyer but I, I guess I kind of had the impression that he would be like pretentious in a bad way because I mean I'm like you I've got I've actually got nothing against pretension I consider myself pretentious and I'm okay with it um but yeah now that you've told me that it's funny and yeah you've sold me so that's really awesome there was Add one to point um list.
2: I've read him on the bus before or like dipped in when I was sitting on a bus and I was just cracking up or maybe a plane because I can't really read on buses. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was on a plane and I just actually was cracking up out loud, but he is so brainy and just one of those, I just love writers like that really sort of intellectually rigorous and nourishing. Yeah. Mm. That sounds Mm. great.
0: Was that sitting on your bookshelf for a really long time and you've just finally had the time to read it?
2: um actually I've read it before and I read it again
0: oh, oh my gosh. Gosh. yeah
2: so I had the luxury of a reread I read it when it came out and um thought I was just sort of browsing the shelves and thought oh experiences from the outside world the outside world what is that <laughs> 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 um <clears throat> so yeah lovely luxury
0: luxury cool right. I, I i've read the ongoing moment i really like jeff Dyer. i think he's great mm, cool um okay so i'm reviewing a book i haven't finished but i know Karen has finished it so i thought we could talk about it together Ooh. did you i added it in on the notes about oh i didn't see four minutes um to our <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> yeah heads up um, Karen. Oh, by Becky Munno too. Love this book. So, yeah, I've got a hundred pages to go. Ah, oh, um, Jenna! It's, uh, it's been one of my favourite books of lockdown so far. Yeah. This is shortlisted for the Oka New Zealand Book Awards. And um it's published by Makaro Press. It's so wonderful. It's this it's the story about um this wee boy called Arama, And he's, like, left by his older brother, who's a lot older than him, at his auntie's house on a farm. They're near Kaikoura, Like, they're around that area. And um, so, and his parents have just been, have just died. But I feel like something's going to be revealed to me as well. So the parents are gone. He's left with this. His auntie, he doesn't know her very well and her husband is a farmer and quite abusive and really scary. And next door to the auntie's house is this lovely little girl called Beth. Is that her name? And and her dad... Uh, Tom Aitken, and so it's them doing their thing, but then you also bounce to his older brother who's gotten in the car and just driven off after this tragic thing has happened to their family. His name's Tokiri, and it's him trying to find his way after this as well. So it's just one of those novels where the characterization is just really wonderful and especially as two of the main characters are children their voices are just so strong and believable i just feel like anyone could read this book and really enjoy it don't you think karen
2: i completely agree and i love what you said about the characters the children i guess um She just really gets across the authenticity of each of their voices, and they're so well pitched and believable and I think, yeah, anyone could read this book because sure, it is about the effects of violence on families and the long standing cyclical nature of violence and gang culture and um abuse, but underlying it's all about hope and it's really quite beautiful and hopeful and quite uplifting in a way. But um, Jenna, you said you've got a hundred pages to go. The last 100 pages, I read a hundred pages till about 2.30 in the morning with my heart thumping in my chest. And it just, I couldn't put it down until I was done. And the next day I was in this weird kind of book hangover state where nothing else would kind of do and my heart was still beating.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I feel maybe like I felt like that when I read The Nickel Boys by Colston Whitehead, like it punched me and I feel like this is on the same way. There's also another thread from of a couple called Jade and Toko and the way she weaves those people in together and slowly reveals how all these people are connected It never spells it out right, but it's it's just – everything's all linked. It's really just – it's really wonderful. I can't wait to finish it. Um, Because I I was saying
2: that if I was on the shop floor, if we were on the shop floor, this is the book that I would be putting in everyone's hands.
0: Yeah. No, everybody should read it. Everyone should read it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have – guys – the do- there's a dog situation i know that's coming up but what i've done i have to tell you is in lockdown i've started a spreadsheet if anyone wants to add to it of dogs that have died in books <laughs> and eight of them have been since 2017 it's really um it's really it's a it's a pandemic <laughs> anyway and such
2: a thing in new zealand fiction right
0: i'm looking at you vup i absolutely <laughs> yeah um <laughs> So if anyone wants a link to my spreadsheet, to have a look. I've only got 10 books on there. Um, just email Paper Cuts and I'll send you it because you can add to it as well. Um, because, oh, yeah, I know I've got a dog warning because people know I'm sensitive to it. But this is the second lockdown book I've read with a dead dog. So, What was the other one? Um, the Days of Abandonment by Eleanor Friedrich. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah so no I just I just know I'm gonna love the ending I can't wait till the Ockham Book Awards I've no idea who's gonna win but I think this is a hot contender
2: well they're all completely different books really and it's like I said before you know there's sort of something for everybody on that shortlist and they're all different Uh, they're all great I've read them all now um
0: oh cool um do you want to talk a little bit about Pearly Gates? Because I heard oh, you yeah. read
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pearly Gates is so gentle and lovely. It's really, I think, I'm actually going to review it on BFM on Monday, but it's, um, re- I think it's the kind of book that a lot of people will want to be reading at this time, something kind of restorative, gentle, Um, Sort of episodic, great characters, actually. And I think um, Owen Marshall is such a good... Well, he's known for his craft, master of the short story craft, right? And so I think his writing's always really polished. And it's just quite a refreshing read. Yeah, nothing nothing bad in it. Kind of interesting moral and ethical um, dilemmas. And I love that it was sort of a um, small provincial um, New Zealand town.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> hey, well done on reading all of the shortlists. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, that's been my lockdown uh, situation. So I sort of nailed those in the first sort of three weeks of lockdown. And
0: Well, you are a true Occam Fiction champion. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> happy it's a it's been a pleasure yeah Um so happy to have read Aware like I just can't wait to talk to more people about it and yeah
0: great well I'm sorry I didn't finish it for my review but I just am so excited about it I wanted yeah. to talk about it I couldn't wait until next month
1: yeah 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 Yay! Yay. I'm sure I speak for a lot of our listeners who haven't read the book when I say that I'm seething with jealousy and dying to read it and yeah yeah, I can't wait. No, oh, Tina's nodding. we we'll have to get Tina a copy as well. Yes. Yeah. Good. and we'll be back after this break hi sorry to interrupt we just wanted to talk to you about the spinoff members recently launched it's a new program that allows readers to contribute to the future direction of our coverage we'll regularly survey readers to find out what you care about and want us to cover and if you donate over 80 dollars annually you'll get some sweet limited edition merch goodies head to the members to find out all about it and welcome back all right, Dirtz, thank you so much for those awesome reviews. Um, let's go ahead and get into our not book reviews. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first of all, I wanted to talk about just briefly um, Home Cooking, which is a podcast from Samin Nozrat and her friend Krish. Hrishikrish... Her way. I'm really sorry. I feel like I murdered that. It's the first time I've ever said it out loud. Um, it's their podcast. Thanks, guys. It's their podcast to help you figure out what to cook Yay. during the quarantine love and it. it's bloody good um the first episode is called "Been there done that and it's all about how to use those beans in your pantry <laughs> those lockdown panic beans yeah all <laughs> of those all of those legumes. that none of us have used <laughs> i have so many lentils and bags of rice now yeah chickpeas. <laughs> um and it's just really charming. There's lots of puns. They're really goofy. Samin Rosrat is just as delightful as you would think. And I would like to thank Papercuts listener David for the recommendation. He emailed it through. So oh, cool. Yeah, that was really, really awesome. Yeah. Yay. Um, yeah. So, and then my other one, um, being greedy, is um, Circus of Books, which is a documentary on Netflix, it's about a middle-class Jewish family who happened to run San... Francisco no, is it San Francisco's?
0: Um, yes, oh no, I think it's LA. it is. Oh, is it? LA. Oh, I really want LA's, to... Amazing! LA's
1: most famous hardcore gay porn bookshop. Um, so it is told from... So the documentary was filmed by the daughter of this couple, and it's really charming and sometimes heartbreaking. You know, they operated during the AIDS crisis, so they lost a lot of, you know, friends during that time. But it's just a kind of a bizarre story as well. Like this couple, you know, the university educated, and they just kind of fell into running this hardcore pornography store. And, you know, they just, it was their job, but also there was kind of a conflict for the mother who's this great kind of Jewish matriarch and she throughout the throughout the whole documentary she gets on barking at her daughter being like I don't know about all this recording why do you have to record what I say (laughs) (laughs) and um but she had a lot of kind of issues around it in opposition to her faith, she was a very strict, you know, attendee of synagogues and she, you know, I think really struggled with it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really charming. Um, it's got some great interviews from former employees of the bookshop and it's also kind of a story of, you know, the sad story of brick-and-mortar brick and retail in the aftermath of the 2008 recession. And in the boom time of internet sales and internet porn, so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's not a perfect documentary. I think it's quite like um, it's told from a very particular perspective, and there's a lot of other nuances that probably could have been lost but it's it's a really fun watch Do
2: so recommend.
1: is it is it a documentary or is it um episodic like? it's a documentary it's cool. just yeah and it's just a one off which is honestly such a delight on Netflix I, I'll say totally <laughs> I can't wait to watch this it sounds so
2: good yeah, that's I think you'll the top
0: really enjoy it Netflix list
2: yeah definitely same um, I've just I'm been
0: just... watching too hot to handle so it needs to be oh my <laughs> <I> god <don't... laughs>
1: That, is, that looks um, so terrible. <laughs>
0: uh, I did it while uh, processing a whole heap of web orders. And, oh yeah, uh, perfect. just on in the background, yeah. <laughs> <I'll> just, <laughs> I've been watching
2: a um, 1975 um, TV series called Survivors, and it's set in kind of pastoral England, and it's all about um, the fallout after a pandemic. <laughs> and it is amazing and it's um very pastoral and so just crazy some of the stuff that comes up in it um that mirrors you know our whole covid crisis but it's from 1975 um cool where are you doing that uh, it's just, just online uh, somewhere. It's <laughs> just
1: uh, a rap- it's on YouTube. I think
2: it's on YouTube. Oh,
1: cool. Um, yeah. Hey, I just want to say one more thing, which is that I just uh, rewatched Waterworld, and it's so fucking good. <laughs> what Waterworld? Yeah. But keep it <laughs> <Fuck> The <haters. laughs> this film is so shit. <laughs> you are dead to me, Karen. It's, it's kind a of awesome like a. Film. It's kind of like a um shitty like Mad Max wannabe. <laughs> I is recommend a... that you rewatch it because I think it is a work of genius. I and saw less... that in the
2: movies. I
1: mean, yeah. I think, <laughs> did you? Oh my I, god! I, I think I saw it on a ferry when I was a kid. Ironically <laughs> enough, on the internet. <laughs> uh,
0: what's that? Does
1: Waterworld have a big song? Wait, uh, I don't think so. You mean like how Aerosmith Smith did the thing for? Yeah. Um...
0: Yeah, or Robin Hood, <laughs> yeah. right, Adams?
1: Not that I recall. Um, I want to no say something jumped Dion. Out. <laughs> yeah. oh. Anyway, that's got a lot. Of, uh, that's a very prescient watch for our times as well. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shit. That was my review. I guess
2: <laughs> I can't wait to watch um, this Netflix doco.
1: Been watching so many docos lately. So yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, Karen, do you wanna give us your notebook recommendation?
2: Oh yeah, so my notebooks, um of course a lot has been spoken about bookshops and your bookshop will be back and supporting your local independent bookshops once we hit level three, which we have. And I just wanted to acknowledge that our friends in the music community have been doing it tough. Um live venues are in jeopardy and like bookshops, you know. Um, venues and record shops are kind of the heart and soul for so many of us in the community so record shops are just really special and now we've moved into level three you know a lot of them are operating online and offering click and collect and a lot of them are offering free freight free postage and a lot of them have great loyalty programs too so if you're in the position to do so get online and have a little browse at some of your favourite independent local record shops. Um, I know that, you know, things are quite uncertain and not everyone's in the position to buy records, which can be really expensive, but... I just wanted to shout out to some record shops, um, independent ones that I really love. Um, The last one I went to actually was when I was in Wellington, and it was Creeps Record Parlour in Newtown. Um, Great record shop. There's also Slow Boat in Wellington. Um, My local is Flying Out in Auckland. There's Southbound in Auckland. I've had great service from them. Um, Rough Peel in Wellington, Vinyl Countdown in New Plymouth, Relics in Dunedin. Um, and if I was in Nelson and I was allowed to go into record shops, I would be bugging Grant Smithies and his um, little record shop, Family Jewels. Um, support them if you can. Look hey, Check this out. I'll show you. It's this um, cool tote bag from Family Jewels.
0: Oh, that's cool.
2: It's so cool. Cool from, um From old, old mate, Grant Smithies. So, um, yeah, that's my... Uh,
0: I just pre-ordered the Beth's new record from Flying Out. Yay! It's one of my lockdown buys. I think it comes out in July. Yeah,
1: it's awesome. Thanks, Karen. That is a very worthy and very awesome recommendation.
0: Hmm. So. Uh, Okay, so I have been finally wanting to watch something that so many people that I know and love over the years have told me to watch, which is the uh, TV series of Brideshead Revisited. (gasps) Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) And I thought you guys probably would have watched it before, so um, I'm about four episodes in, it was filmed in 1981 with Jeremy Irons and Anthony Andrews, 11 episodes filmed for ITV, and The Telegraph calls it television's greatest literary adaption, bar none. It's utterly faithful to Evelyn Moore's novel, yet it's somehow more than that, too. It's so, iconic! Everybody yeah. just, yeah. Oh, so
2: good. And Jeremy Irons and it. it. Jeremy Irons. breaks my
0: heart. Such it's so babe. good. Yeah. So, yeah, if you guys don't know this, I mean, you guys obviously know the story, but if listeners don't know the story, it's about um, a it's like kind of a coming of age story at Oxford University and this man Jeremy Irons makes friends with this lord who lives at this place called Brideshead and he's very rich and over the top um he carries around a teddy bear called Aloysius and it's all set in 1923 um and then the family start getting involved and it gets quite manipulative which I love so I'm only just in the beginning but I just find it absolutely hilarious it's a complete sausage fest these like <laughs> I mean the first episode had one one female elderly female popping in at one tiny point and had one line but uh I just think it's 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 over the top and funny and um and I know it's gonna get super dark and the darkness is about to come in yeah
1: yeah, you're great. For a treat,
2: um, so good. The original, the OG Tweedy, kind of British telly. So good. Oh, the
0: fashion is so yeah, good. Yeah, so and good. Watched the episode in Venus, and oh, just, like the shots are just really cool. Yeah, it's just great. It's work of art. Woo! So might have, have to, to re-watch it. It's
1: a yeah. great
2: recce. I'm going to have to re watch it, I think. Yeah. Where are you watching it?
0: You yeah, know, just, oh, just, just around, around here. here. <laughs> just
1: around here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, our t- TBRs. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, you go first. I love what you've written.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, my TBR uh, this month is pretty much exactly the same as last month's because <laughs> I've had the sort of. Weird luxury of rereading stuff, or just reading kind of whatever I feel like. Hence, rereading Jeff Dyer, and I sort of, of course, went on a complete literary diversion of just oh, maybe I'll read one more Rachel Cusk book. <laughs> 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 so I've read um, I actually read two Rachel Cusk books: In the Fold and The Temporary, which are so good. Um, you guys. You guys need to read Rachel Cusk. <laughs> she's yeah. so good. I'm talking yeah, she's to on my the list. yeah yeah yeah. yeah well. She's on the list, so I can I can hook you up because I'm I'm well stocked. But um, so what was on my TBR? It was Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. I have started Utopia Avenue by David Mitchell, so I'm going to get stuck back into that. And specimen by Madison Hamill. But I've also um, one of my literary diversions. It's a oh. book I think Louise is going to talk about because we've both been reading it at the same time, which is Screen Tests by Kate Zambrino. So I'm halfway through that. So that's what was, um, on What did I say
0: to you, Karen, when that came into the shop with Kate Zambr? Somber- <laughs> What's that Sever- Kate Zambrano? <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah. it, is it
2: Cepanero or Cepanero? I can't remember, I can't even remember the song. Cepanero.
0: Was it Bedroom,
2: Bedroom Eyes? Yes, something like
1: that. <laughs> or Spanish Eyes?
2: Spanish show. Some fucking shit. I'm going to look it up <laughs> on Spotify later yeah. and have a
1: little boogie.
2: Good Australian, um, middle of the road pop music. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great, great book. I'm loving it so far. It's, um, so it's in two two parts. The first part is stories and the second part is essays. And I've read the stories. There's about fifty-eight of them, but they're like one or two pages each, real good, um, short, sharp. And the essays are a little bit more long form. Um so I'm really loving this book. It reminds me a little bit of um Durga Chubo's um Too Much and Not the Mood, how she just writes so eloquently about film, but she's um you know, very literary and very kind of inquisitive. So really liking this. Can't wait for you to finish it too, Lou, and we can talk more about it. Yeah. <clears throat> And I'm still waiting for Funny Weather by Olivia Lang. I'm never going to shut up about it until I've actually got it.
0: I think it, um, I think it might be in that half a mil um, box situation, <laughs> okay. Karen, because I've seen that it's been invoiced in. Oh, so. I
2: need that book. I yeah. need that book. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Picador. Hi, Picadora McMillan,
0: <laughs> if you're out there. Yeah. yeah, I saw a gratis invoice come through, and I was like, ooh, yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh louisa oh yes um well yeah screen test is on my list i might as well kind of follow on from karen and just say that yeah also really enjoying it um really really elusive this book and um you know i think the film stuff really reminded me of what karen's into and a lot of the and i'm not as kind of film literate as karen by a long shot but the book stuff she referenced a lot of authors I really love and also a lot of authors that I was like, oh, they've been rattling around in my skull for a while. I've been meaning to check them out. So I was reading it with my library app open and sort, of, and sort of reserving stuff as I went. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it and also kind of Googling artists. It's a very visual book as well. So that was, a, that was really fun. But what I also loved about it, which kind of reminded me of Torpor, was the kind of bitchy kind of <laughs> literary scene stuff kind of talking about you know, what it feels like when your friend wins an award or is successful and, and what it's like when your friend kind of resents you for being successful and you drift apart. But you know, it's, I mean, that sounds kind of grim, but it's, it's done in quite a funny sort of bitchy way that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, it's, it's so fantastic. And, um, I know that you loved Green Girl as well, Karen. I did, And I love that book. It's so terrific. And it's really cool to see another side of Kate Zambrino because it is quite a different tone, I think this is quite a knowing adult tone whereas Green Girl is obviously very kind of like all about the youthful ingenue Um, and she writes about um, in screen tests for one of her
2: friends who like how you and I were talking about this before Lou about how she talks about old friendships and I think was it a girl she used to work with um at a bookshop who she based sort of one of her characters on or
1: yes that was a great like <laughs> yeah a great moment where you're like ah oh, yes I know I know what Quite, character yeah. you mean <laughs> nice Quite little inside of feeling <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it feels very gossy which you know I know we all love a goss yeah um that's why we're here and yeah so that um that's been on my tbr pile i looked at i was like googling i was like looking it up to see if we'd reviewed it on the pod before and i found on my tbr pile from like a year ago so (laughs) finally circling back to that it's just been sitting there yeah temptingly um yeah, and this lockdown has enabled us to get to it, which is awesome. Um, and then the other book on my TBR part, I'm just kinda highlighting stuff that I've nearly finished or that I'm quite into. Um, so you'll enjoy it when you get there. The stories of Elizabeth Taylor. So Elizabeth Taylor is a English um short uh, she's I don't know if she mainly writes short stories, to be honest, I don't know that much about her, but um, She's finally getting recognition as one of the best English writers of the post-war period, um, according to Google. And um, this is a New York Review of Books edition, so it's very beautiful. It's got a terrific introduction by Margaret Drabble. Um, Her stories are very much kind of set in that post-war period, and there's a lot of, like, spinsters, there's a lot of kind of – Young, young women who kind of like are fascinated with older women and just this kind of like really kind of chintzy sort of. Brighton you know holidays at Brighton and City hotels and all that kind of stuff, which I just love. it's so up my alley, and I've just enjoyed this so much. this kind of gothic aspects of you know elderly spinster sisters growing old together and having these kind of bitter sort of wars that rage on for years it's it's really terrific um so that's just something that I picked up at the library in a blind panic and but I knew it would be good because it was a New York Review of Books classic. And I'm pretty sure she
2: used to be published by Faber as well. So that's another good, um,
1: yeah, double whammy of goodness. Um, and then the last one that I wanted to, Oh yeah. Um, I'm halfway through, I think I'm working on a building by Pip Adam, which is great. Um, such an awesome spiky female character engineer, um, at the center of it. Um, really interestingly structured she's kind of it you know different parts of it are set at different times around the world um I mean wait a minute have I got the author right on this yeah it's oh, Pip Adam okay. yeah Pip Adam yeah God, it was her sudden horrible it was the thought book, her second book yeah, yeah yeah no I've got it I've got it right thank you um she's just such a clever writer and sometimes it's like almost overwhelming how smart she is and there's kind of some stuff about engineering that I skimmed over because I'm too much of a dum-dum but um, I loved that stuff that was the stuff I loved the most in that book I like I, it but I don't yeah. I don't pretend to understand it um, <laughs> oh yeah me neither <laughs> no no but it but it adds to it definitely in a really yeah. interesting way um so that that I'm really enjoying, and I just finished. I won't really talk about this in any detail, but I just finished Fake Baby by Amy McDade, local author, debut oh, author. I can't
0: wait to read that.
1: That comes out in June. So, and what, you, what did, you think- it did you think about? Did
0: you do
2: you like
1: it? Yeah, I love it. I mean, cool. I had read most of it already. Um, I think I only had a couple of chapters to go and then I had to pause because um, of the lockdown and all sorts of things. Um, and so, yeah, now I finished it off and I just wanted to kind of mention it so I can circle back to it later, but it's so funny and dark and wow. I mean, really those are the key words that, that I need. Cause I have, um, I have started it. So I'll go oh, back good. and finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got plenty of time for it comes out. It was originally going to be out in May, but it's being pushed back because of, um, all the kerfuffle and it's, it's kind yeah, of like so time that... and
0: dates don't matter anymore I right? especially with book releases it's like it can, it'll come when it comes mm,
1: yeah <laughs> um so that's my tbr pile I mean really it's a in progress pile but who cares yeah
0: Jenna Jenna um hey well I knocked off that whole pile from last time bloody hell! we talked um, so I've got some new books. So I had when I've been back at my work. So I've managed to top up the reading pile. So, uh, Rapiro Beach mm. by Carolyn Barron. This is published by Bateman Books. It's a New Zealand book. It is a memoir, and yeah, I don't know too much about it, but I'm really looking forward to to reading it. She was meant to be doing Auckland Writers Festival mm. stuff, but I think is doing the new new Auckland F- writers festival things but so that's going to be after i finish *Aware*. i've got old trick mirror oh, um i was really stoked to see the spine sticking out of the reading oh, shelf yeah. at work, so uh, i'm excited to read that and then i've got this little book called uh, tennis lessons by susan dickey and you know it's just like a that looks good young woman what young woman as she navigates her rocky way to adulthood? Love it. I've got to look good. It's coming <laughs> yeah. out in July. Yeah,
1: it does look good. I love the title and I love the cover, cover. It looks like someone having a pash at a party.
0: Yeah, you can see the tongue. Ooh, hey, it looks. Hey, it looks Australian.
2: Is it? Just that uh, cover looks quite Australian it does. to me. The cover has an Australian
1: <laughs> accent.
0: <laughs> I think it might be the UK. Well, it's published oh. in Penguin UK? But okay, Belfast. Irish. Oh my gosh. Oh my ding ding ding. Yeah. <laughs> uh this is Susanna Dickey's first novel. She was born in nineteen ninety two. fire Oh Jesus.
2: It's fine. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about that one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um cool.
2: That's
1: us. I think that's us, eh? <laughs> that's, that's us. <laughs> Okay. I'll do the little outro. Uh, thank you so much to Tina and the spinoff for having us, um, putting up with us and, um, thank you so much to our listeners for listening. <laughs> and we really love it when you subscribe and rate us. Um, where do they rate us iTunes? Um, so go ahead and flick us five stars, please. Um, it means that no other people can find the podcast. You know, we won't accept anything less. Yeah. Um, and, yep, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Pod. Email us, papercuttspod at gmail.com. We do read your emails, not very hard, because it's like one a month. And <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, though. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's about all the admin ability that I have to keep up with anyway, so it's perfect. And, um, yeah, th- and thank you to my co hosts. Thank
0: Thanks. you, Louisa.
1: Thank you. So
0: nice to see you guys. Yeah. Love you. Bye. We'll be back together soon. Kakite. Kakite. Kia ora etewi. Kia hi padla here. Podcast manager at the spin off.